a young woman gets indoctrinated unwillingly into a new family, and uh, space marines fight off a whole bunch of bug aliens, as we are here with Casper Van Dien talking about his new film Daughter, and of course, Starship Troopers. Here on Overdue. Enlist now to learn more! Oh, sorry, those damn ads. Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. And thank you again for joining us here on Over the Rentals, the show where we talk about films that for some reason people aren't talking about the way they used to. And as we discussed, Michael, we are here today talking with a uh, young gentleman, Casper uh, Van Dien, who uh, was the, yeah, you, you know who that is, right? I think I've heard of him before. What, what are his credits per se? Well, first of all, does he have a new movie coming out? He does have a new movie coming out. A daughter available uh, for you to see uh, in theaters and on demand on February 10th, which uh, by the time you listen to this will be available. Ah, wonderful. Now, what what has he done in the past though? Because again, overdue rentals, we we like those movies that people don't talk about enough or may talk about in the wrong ways. Well, that, you know what? He, his very first big feature, as you'll hear us talk about, was uh, the 1997 Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers. I love Starship Troopers. I it's, love it more and more as time passes. It's a funny one. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit after we, we talk to Casper. Uh, and again, I apologize as I talk to Casper. Unfortunately, Mike couldn't make it this time. Um, and uh, he missed the. He missed the yeah, yeah, he's right. He was being attacked by baboons and uh, couldn't make it on time. I mean, I said scheduling snafus, but attacked oh. by baboons <laughs> is a more valid excuse. <laughs> Damn those baboons. Uh, so yeah, so I think it's best. I think we get Casper in here, let him talk his head off, and then uh, I, then we'll talk about the movies. Let the magic happen, ladies and gentlemen. Even though I am absent for this part, I'm just gonna go grab a drink. But I will help Matthew welcome Casper Van Dien to the Overdue Rentals counter in the past. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. Thank you for being here. It's wonderful to see you. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Or should I say? Father, excuse me, sorry. Father, Don't want to. Father's pleased. <laughs> father's pleased that you are correcting yourself. Well, you know, it's look horror and or horror adjacent. It's not something. It's not like you've never done anything like that, that before. But this has got. This is the most menacing I think I've ever seen you. Was that uh, part of the draw of doing this? You know, it was interesting. I mean, I've had a couple menacing type roles. I think in the Sandlot, I did it, and I have one coming out called uh, Well, Matt Heidi. I have out right now that is also pretty menacing, but it's over the top comedy in a Swiss exploitation film. So you can see that on madheidi.com. It's incredible. It's about fighting against lactose intolerance. It's very funny um, and very over the top. It's a grindhouse film. It's super, okay. they call it the first Swiss exploitation film, but it's called Mad Heidi. You can see it on madheidi.com and it's coming out on other media right now too. But uh, this one, I, I think when I read the script, my manager called me up and goes, hey, look, I don't get it, but your agent really loves it. And I read it and I go, oh my God, I'm in, I love it. I started right away looking up the dialogue, finding the quotes from the, the Bible verses that it was, and from uh, from uh, Simone uh, de Bouvier's, uh, you know, some of the quotes from her and then other quotes. He, he mixed it all in together. And I was like, I'd ask him all these questions about it. He goes, wow. And he'd, go, and he'd take his time and he'd think about it and come back and give me an answer. He's a very thoughtful, very, hmm. I think he's a great director. And I love the way he wrote and everything. So I, but you're looking at this because I'm, I'm mainly the guy that talks in the scenes that I'm in. And most everybody listens. And if you don't listen, there's going to be some situational things that might not be very pleasant. And, and so it, for me, it was, it was interesting to read all that and to go, okay, 
this, if I don't come prepared and I don't know my stuff, this movie will be terrible. It'll be horrible mm. because I've got to be somebody that is, is believable as this like, in a way, cultish leader. This was all shot pre-pandemic. Oh, okay. So I know most people think, oh my God, this is such a pandemic film. <laughs> but we shot it four years ago. Wow. In four and a half years ago. We shot it in October, November of 2019. Jesus. So this is not, uh, so, it's, so it's, not, uh, it's not a pandemic film, even though it feels like it's very <laughs> appropriate for that. So in, in a way, I was like, after the pandemic started, I was thinking about the movie later and I was going, wow, that's intense. <laughs> so I loved it. I, I, I think it's interesting because it's not a movie. You know, uh, uh, there's another thing too. Movies are so fast paced and, 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 and the attention span of everybody is so quick now yeah. that you, you get lost. If this is a movie that you, you're going to just put on and, and let everybody, you know, think it's going to be distracting. If you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss everything because there's little nuances that are just the way he wrote. It. It's the way he wrote. it. It's not me. It's literally what he did. I, I, I love being able to, to do it with him and, and portray it. And, and that cast was they're all friends already beforehand. So it was, it was interesting to to be on that with all of them. Well, talking about that idea of like, you know, if you're not paying attention, you miss things too. Cause like, even me as somebody who's paying attention, it took me maybe, I don't know, like 10 seconds or so before I realized that when I'm watching them do their, the play, when I'm, when I'm watching them do it, like that's, that's the horror that he thinks he sees that they're doing. Yes. And it took me, it took, it took me a second to like glomp onto it. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, he's, he's a very, it's interesting. I'd ask Corey a question about what he was doing and, and what he thought about it. And he, he'd go, he'd look at me and he'd think about it and he goes, let me get back to you. And then I'd see him go off and he'd be thinking and he'd look back over at me and he'd be talking to people doing his thing. And he'd come back to me and he'd tell me why it wouldn't work or why it would work or what we could do to fix or what he, his thought process. And I was always, always, always just blown away by his process. I just thought he was, uh, he's a really good director. He's really interesting. He's very creative and he has a vision that's so strong. We shot this yeah. all on film, all pre-pandemic. It was during one of the fires. So we got shut down for a little bit. We thought maybe the house was gonna burn down. Wow. We all had to be evacuated one day. That was intense. We also shot all on film. The, all the Polaroids were or the original Polaroids. So it was like really slow and took forever to come through. <laughs> and then it was also the original cameras for, for photographs. So even the stills were done on a, like a 1950s Nikon or Canon or whatever it was. Um, and it was just so interesting because the, there's a certain ambiguity to where we ambiguity to where we think the film is or when it is. We don't really know because there's no real technology. And then there is some technology, but there's yeah. like, and, and, and for me, that was awesome. I, I love that because I, you can see that that uh, my character's in some kind of control. Definitely. Well, look, you, like you said, you, you immediately read it and you immediately started doing your research, but was there a point where maybe Corey was like, don't do too much because there is technically still this overall arcing question of what his plans are, what's gonna happen when this kid turns 18 or was, I don't know, was 16 actually. I can't even remember actually what the age is yeah. supposed to be but like you know you didn't want to he didn't did he want you to think back like you need a full backstory or no well i don't i don't know if he and i ever discussed it that way i mean he'd probably be a better one to remember that i i just was blown away by the script and uh, then my my input was basically this i got my hair in the middle like that uh that weird part 
and I had a beard and I sent him a picture. I said, can, I, can father look like this? He goes, absolutely. So I just would go to set. I'd comb my hair. And as I was leaving, my, my wife and my daughters would all be like, oh my God. And my daughters would be like, dad, you're so creepy. I don't even want to look at you. I, I just comb my hair. I, I, you know, and I just would drive to work as father, an hour, 10 minutes to work. And then I drive back as father and I come back and I'm like, oh my God, you're still in that character. I really did. It wasn't like I did some great method. I just parted my hair in the middle. But that, but you know what? That beard at that length too, like that, that is, per, I, you know what? You just know it. Like that's that character. That's how he'd look. Yeah. Yeah. I felt it. I felt it so much. I, I just was, just, I was, I was so glad that he went with it on me. And I mean, he didn't always say yes to everything I said and I'm crazy and I'm insane. So I come with a million different answers and, and mm. things I wanted. I, I, I knew reading the script, I knew if I didn't come 100% prepared as much as I could possibly be, then I would be doing, this movie wouldn't have worked. I would have ruined it for everybody. They all, they all were all friends beforehand. They all knew what they were doing. They all had their whole thing. But I had to come in with, I had to bring, I had to bring it for me. I had to be there. And I, I wanted to be. I really loved it. I, I thought, this is so different from anything I've done. It's so creative. It's so incredible. I've I have like right now I've, I've been shooting. I've, I love my manager, my agent. They're both so amazing. And they, they come up with different ideas. One of them brought me Mad Heidi, which is out. Like I told you, I played this crazy Swiss vacation. I have a heart of a champion that's coming out next week. And that's just a, a family film with, with, uh, with Edward Furlong and Yaya Gosling. And then I also have battle for Saipan that's out right now. We're played a, 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 a army doctor, World War One, who actually, fought against the, the Japanese who were coming in and he, he took up arms because they were going to kill all the, the troopers. It's a real story. It's based on a real story. Mm. And it did so well that Saban bought it and then Paramount bought it. It's out right now and it's been getting good reviews. And then I also have Monsters of California coming out with Tom DeLonge directed from Blink-182. Well, yeah, I was about to say, okay. Stuff in it. Yeah, it's all the alien stuff. It's so cool. I love him. <laughs> He's so cool. But he directs musically. Like, he, I, I'd come prepared for his too, but he go, Casper, in this scene, and then he plays some music. You listen to okay. this. This is what's going on. And so every scene he'd come to me, and each scene was music. It's like he had it all. Like like he's like the Beethoven, you know, of a of a director. It was interesting because I watched him musically put each scene. I'm kidding you not. He had every scene. He knew exactly what he was going to do musically, and it was so interesting. And he would go, "This is going to come in, and you're going to say this, and it's going to crescendo like this, and this, and then it's going to this." And he goes, "Not that." So I was just like. So I can't wait for that one too. That's like an Amblin film, like an like it goes. That reminds me of like um, ET. That's what it reminds you of. Well, I know, I know he's big in, into the UFO alien culture. So right, me, right. Me too, bro. Me too. Yeah. Ancient, ancient alien, ancient alien theorists say yes. <laughs> well, speaking of aliens, then though, because here on Overdue Rentals, we love talking about films that we think people don't talk enough about anymore. Now. I think plenty of people talk about Starship Troopers a ton, but it's become re-examined by a lot of people. Because I think people who didn't understand satire then are finally getting the picture now. I think that it's not necessarily, uh, I, I know that a lot of people didn't get it, but I don't, I don't necessarily blame them as much as I did back in the day. Because I mm. really, I was, I was blown away that people didn't understand it. But I think it wasn't necessarily publicized the right way in America. And I don't know if that was because the publicist didn't get it or they, they just did, Sony didn't want to do it that way. I think they wanted it to be a, a surprise. And, and, and like in England, they made it all about the propaganda war posters. They were like, fight now, war. Wow. They had them all plastered all over the, the tunnels as you go in. So it looked like an old 
you know, 1940s or 38, you know, like that's crazy. It was amazing. So they really got it and it did really well up there. I wish they had done that for in America. I think it might have because I think that they didn't publicize it that way, that people were like, oh, maybe this is supposed to be really a serious movie, not knowing that it it is a serious movie, but it's satire. And I think now people now people have taken a look at it and enough people have gone, you really need to take a look at it. And I've had a lot of people that go, Hey, I didn't get it at first, but now I love it. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's just because it, the disservice was that they didn't know how to really, yeah. you know, and I think okay. they wanted it to be obscure like that. Verhoeven is just a genius that way. I, I, I remember, it's funny because I'm trying to look it up now and I can't find it, but I remember that the original teaser for it a lot different. Cause I was what I guess like 16, 17 at the time. I remember being, being at grandfather's house, commercial comes on, I didn't know what it was for. And it's very much like what you see, what they claim is the first teaser, which is all the soldiers kind of gearing up. But then I remember it being like silence and you just see like the empty battlefield and all of a sudden they all come rushing in. I'm like, oh my God, we all have yeah. to go see this immediately. Yeah, I, I, I just was shocked that it, it didn't do better at the time, yeah. but I'm glad that it's had the longevity and that people really liked it. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm just so grateful to Verhoeven for, for putting me in this position and giving me, he gave me my career. And Ed Neumeyer, who wrote it, who's also one of my best friends. I mean, I, I love them both to death. And and uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully work with them again soon, which might possibly be happening in the next few years. So that- Is that for Ed, not, Ed, Ed or Paul or Paul? Both of them. Both of them, okay. But it's a political satire. It's not the same thing. Well, I mean, like that's going, you know, going back to just talk about the satire thing again real quickly is because at least in Verhoeven's sci-fi before that, you know, it was there a little bit there in Total Recall, but Robocop, it was like, it was filled with all of that. So I can't believe how people were not ready for it. It's like, it was, you've seen it, him do this before, you know what he's about. It's so surreal because here we are, people going, oh, I didn't know it was a satire. I'm like, Robocop, it's the same writer, same director, same visual effects guy, same producer. It's fucking Robocop. It's got the, it's got the propaganda things and like, I'll buy that for a dollar or, the only good bug is a dead bug. I mean, it's the same movie. Only yeah. it's, I think it's even more intelligent. And I think Robocop's a genius film. I love it. I'm not, I'm not negating it. But even Verhoeven says that, that Starship Troopers is his best film. So Verhoeven says that I'm going to go with him. Uh, and, <laughs> and then that gives me bragging rights. But I love, like one day I looked over and, and I'm looking out and we had 1,400 extras. We had 250 in the crew, 138 in the second unit crew. We had 30 stuntmen, 30 actors. We had the publicity people there. We had explosions going off. We're all running, shooting guns, firing. They're running on ATVs trying to cover us. And then all this, these big explosions going off and things like that. And I look over and I look behind the monitor and I see Ed Newmeyer, writer of RoboCop, Paul Verhoeven, director of RoboCop, John Davidson, producer of RoboCop, and Phil Tippett, the visual effects guy of RoboCop. And I go, I'm number one on my call sheet, so I'm Murphy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, to- I totally geeked out. I was like, oh my God, I was just so excited. Well, you just kind of tell him about all that, especially somebody like Phil Tippett, because, you know, when Starship Troopers did come out, it was very much at that massive pivotal move to like only CGI in, in a lot of ways. And, or, you know, there was going to be less about, um, you know, having a physical items there. I don't even know at that point what the procedure was. Do green screens even pop up at that point? Or is it all just whatever they could get, throw at you on, on set. So when we were on set out in Casper, Wyoming and Hell's Half Acre and in, in, in the Badlands in South Dakota and then Long Beach and then uh, and, in Orange County and then Malibu and in Vasquez Rocks, all that was all regular. And they shot visual effects. They just did different plates, shots and things like that. So we were just firing against dirt. 
The only time yeah. we had a blue screen or a green screen basically was when we were in the ship. Okay. Other so than like, that, so we, like the app for seeing the outside, for seeing like the stars. Yeah. So, or if we're in the spaceship itself, there'd be like a green screen out there to show stars or or to show a different planet or anything like that. So it was just a, um, it was just, it was just done that way. Most of it, I mean, you gotta look at Starship Troopers. It's a hundred and five million dollar film, and eighty five million of it went to visual effects. Yeah. I mean, the star of it is the bugs. I, <laughs> I was lucky to be in it, and I feel a lot of gratitude. There's days where I. When Verhoeven, I would have to go to him. I go, oh, I just don't know. He's like, no, this is great. You got to do it like this. I go, yeah, but I, and then coming, I'm coming across like, he goes, no, 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 pass me, pass me. And I'm going, Robocop Murphy, Robocop Murphy. Oh, God, <laughs> so like, because you, you, sometimes you, you question. I, I did question because I, I, I'm looking, I'm going to look like a total idiot. And he goes, no, no, this is great. And I'm like, <laughs> And I have to trust him. And I do. I still, yeah. to this day, I think he's a 100% genius. I think yeah, no, absolutely. Absolute Go, thinking about, though, though, were there, like, for, like, the big brain bug, was that was that a real puppet? Was that something that was brought on to set, though? Because it looks like it. It was a big brain bug that they brought in. Now, the back right. of it, so just the front of it was all huge and everything. That was real. And it was all that pulsating, um, they called it the mangina. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it fits. It makes sense. That's what it, they called it. It's really gross and disgusting, but that's what they would call it on set because they would put this, they, they have these huge buckets of KY jelly that they would lather over it and put in the holes and the crevices. And I was just always like, I, I just don't want to be here for this right just, now. <laughs> so can we just- but then I did, I did. I really wanted to be there. I'm, I'm RoboCop, I'm, Robo, I'm Murphy, I'm Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> it's why, you know what? It's, it's weird talking about effects nowadays, I think, too, because, and I'm not trying to talk down about younger generation at all, don't get me wrong, but it's weird because I've gotten into watching like the YouTube reactors who are now watching movies that they never saw before, and it's stuff like from the 80s and the early 90s, and anything, even if it's a physical manifestation that's on set, they call it CGI. So like I've now felt that I've gotten lost of like, what is special effects anymore from when I was young, what's happening now, I don't know. I'm lost on it. Yeah. I, you know, Phil Tippett said it best during the 15th anniversary of Starship Troopers. Now it's the 25th anniversary this year. I mean, this year will be the 26th, but the last year was the 25th. Um, Phil Tippett said back during Starship Troopers, they spent two years before we started filming, starting on all the visual effects and all the doing all the monsters and creating all them. They did every every leg hit had dust going off of it. All mm. the eyes on them as they were coming had sweat and stuff and they would move. So everything, so there's millions of them coming. And there's that, the second day of shooting, we had that shot in, a, in Whiskey Outpost when the, they go up the ramparts and all of a sudden it goes bugs, bugs. And you see millions of them coming. Well, when I saw the shot, he showed us the shot and there's nothing out there when it comes up, it's just dirt and we're just firing yeah. dirt. But when he shot it and he explained it to me, I went, Zulu. And he goes, nice. And so instead of being, you know, the 100,000 Zulu Wars that came in that Michael K movie that was absolutely genius, this is the exact same shot, almost frame for frame. You can watch it back, play it next to each other, you'll see. I'm, I'm definitely going to now. <laughs> but, like, again, that's another, like, like you said, it was, it was your first big picture, and you have a cast that, at the time, were, were, were big up-and-comers. I mean, besides Neil, who you know, a lot of people knew from Doogie Howser, but, like, you... Look, Clancy Brown had been working for a long time, but now he means something else to people. Seth Gilliam, I forgot Seth Gilliam's in the movie, who now means a lot to a, diff to a lot of different people. And of course, but there is also Michael Ironside. I almost forgot about that. How can I forget about Michael Ironside? Rue McClanahan's in it. Oh, 
So again, so with that idea of Ed and Paul, you, you sit and look at everybody you're with is how crazy is that for your first picture? For, well, not for your first picture, for your first big picture. It's super crazy. I, I was in absolute, um, I'm still in heaven about it. I, I love that, that Verhoeven gave me this opportunity. I'm, I'm thrilled to be there. It was just, like I said, to, 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 to be a fan of movies, I'm totally a geek about movies. I, I'm, yeah. I get so excited because I always say this, I think being on set helps me be a better man, better husband, better father, better brother, better, you know, uh, son, everything it is because I, I get to do what I love. I love the entertainment industry. If I wasn't an actor, I'd be, uh, I'd be in the entertainment industry and whatever I tried doing something because I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. And I feel very fortunate to be here. So when he gave me this opportunity and then I had that, I just, I wanted to take moments like that, that I looked over and I would see those people there. And I was just like, this is a moment I have to remember for forever. And I still have that on every single film I'm on. I, there's not a time where I go, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I just get so excited. I, I'm just like, why have you, I, somebody will go, hey, I'm making this movie. Go, why haven't you hired me yet? My wife is always <laughs> like, oh my God, you just do that to everybody. I, go, I just want to work. I love working and I have the best time right now. I mean, we had that pandemic, but I still work during it. And I have, yeah. I have like six pictures coming out this month. I have Daughter, which is coming out tomorrow, which will we have the premiere. And then I have Mad Heidi that's out on uh, madheidi.com. But it's, I play a Swiss exploitation. I played the, it's, you got to see this movie. It's, it's a grindhouse film. They call it the first Swiss exploitation. And we're fighting against lactose intolerance. They put in all this stuff about Starship Troopers in it too. It's amazing. You okay. See this film. It's Mad Heidi. Just check out the if you if you don't have time to see the whole movie, watch the trailer. Then you're gonna want to watch the whole movie because it's it's awesome. And then I have County Line No Fear with Tom Wompat out on Amazon right now. Voodoo and uh, also Denim is in that. He's in uh, Yellowstone. And then also have Heart of a Champion with with uh, which is a little family film that comes out next week or the week after. And that has um uh, Yaya who's in a Robert Rodriguez film, which I also did one with him. I did a little lead of Battle Angel, but. He also has, we also yep. have Edward Furlong in that. And then I did Battle for Saipan, which is out. And then I also have Monsters of California that Tom DeLonge directed <laughs> from Blink-182. And it's got all the aliens in it. So I'm, I'm all over the place right now. But all these movies I shot in the last four years, but they're all coming out right now. And uh, I'm just excited. Well, like that's, like that's, look, there's plenty of people who, you know, we're going to say, they hear your name, they see your face, and they'll think Starship, Starship Troopers. You know, as much as, again, because it, it was a formidable time for me, so I remember it very vividly. But I'll be honest with you, again, after especially watching you in, in Daughter and seeing you so menacing, I, I'm a Monk fanatic. So, like, sometimes I see your face and I'm like, oh, I remember that time you came on Monk for a little bit just to close it out. It was so good. It was so fun. It's like, oh, yeah. do, you, do you have people who still, like, come up to you and just, like, but they don't even realize Starship Troopers or anything like that? Or they don't realize? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, had, I've, I've had people come up. It's... It's interesting when people come up. I've had people come up to me and go, you, I hate you from 90210. Well, I've heard the house down that the lesbians were in, but I, that's the way I was written. I, I wouldn't do that. Or on, on, on I, I, you know, they, they go to Saved by the Bell where I made fun of uh, a, a Zach for going out with a girl who's heavy set. So like, <laughs> man, you were mean. And I go, I was just acting again. <laughs> just, just acting. I'm, I'm actually not a horrible father, but you know. <laughs> My daughter Grace, who's um, who's in uh, Stranger Things. Have you watched Stranger Things? Of course, yeah, yeah. Do you know Chrissy, the cheerleader? Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't put two and two together. Okay, uh, that's great. Good to know that's now. My daughter, she was born during Starship Troopers. She calls herself the Starship Troopers baby. Oh my god, 
That's a, that's a, I don't know why I didn't know this. I should have known this. So she's coming to my premiere tomorrow night. So I, 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 I uh, so I know I'm not, I'm not as horrible as the father in this picture, but, <laughs> but this well, is based on a real event. So I, I will say, you know, again, because for as much as I did or didn't know about daughter, and this is very stupid almost, but I'm going to mention it because I don't know how, I, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I, I started watching it. The whole movie, even I'm paying attention. I'm thinking about Pearl Jam. I'm just going, don't call me daughter. And I'm imagining like, that's how the movie's going to end. Like she's going to be standing over him and she's like, don't call me daughter. And I'm like, I didn't know what to expect at that point. Yeah, the ending is pretty, I mean, I think the, the it was interesting for me because when I got the script, I mean, literally I'm saying, this is a tightrope. If I don't, if I don't bring my game, this movie is going to just, it's just going to suck. So I really had to do that. But then the director was so good. And, and, and even that being said, I mean, I talk a lot and everybody listens to me. And if they don't listen, there's going to be certain consequences. And so maybe that's the, 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 the things that on edge. And then I do horrible things and, and um, it's very uh, disturbing, but it, it, there's a thin line. I think that if, if, if I hadn't, if I hadn't been prepared and they hadn't, and they hadn't been prepared, they were very prepared, yeah. then, then the movie would have really had a, you know, it would have been difficult. And the fact that they were doing it on all the old film, and all, we shot one scene that four days later, we had to reshoot it because he came to me and goes, it didn't, it, the one we're on t- teaching, it's four and a, it's like three and a half pages, almost four pages. And they only well, the, have like- well, teaching the both of them or just- Yeah, uh, yeah. And, okay. and they have hardly any lines and I kick her out and I, and I talk to him and I'm like, and I'm like, don't you ever dare. I had to redo that scene. He comes to me four days later. I'm out. I learned things and then I put him out. And then four days later, he comes to me and goes, oh, um, Cash, we got to reshoot that scene. I go, oh, what happened? He goes, magazine. And I go, oh, because it's film. I haven't shot on film in forever. You know, digital, yeah. we can redo things. They can get it. Usually the, the files aren't corrupted. But we had to reshoot it. And, and I go, when do we shoot? And he goes, uh, now, because I got to change the set. And this is the last time we'll have it. And I was like, oh. Oh God, because you know, you learn it and you gotta throw it out because you have to fill it up with other stuff. So I had to relearn it real quick and and then do it again. That must also suck because like and, and I'll have to let you go, so maybe this will be the last thing, but that also must suck because in another situation where maybe if you had more time, you maybe think, well, maybe there's something new I could do or something different that'll make it even better. You didn't even have that opportunity. Well, no, let's just let's let me be very honest with you on this one. We never have enough time in any film. I don't care. You okay. Starship Troopers. Paul Verhoeven was going, I don't know how we're going to make the day. And I was like, you have $105 million. Shut up. I've done other films now for like, for five bucks and five bucks and a cup of coffee. You know, <laughs> like, you know, we're all just shooting films to make it. But he, you know, um, but you sit there, you have to be prepared and you have to do this. So I rehearsed so much. I, I literally, my method on this one was I, I did that stupid pop part and I would go to set and I drive as father to set an hour and a half and I drive back an hour and a half and I come back my daughters will all be like oh my god dad you're so creepy and all it was was I parted my hair down in the middle and had that beard and nothing nothing big method about that but I mean just the fact that when they would say oh dad you're so creepy and they didn't know what I was doing I knew I was doing something right and then when I would show up at set and and the other actors would be so creeped out by me I knew I was doing something right. Now I'm not a big method actor, but it was mm. nice to be in this character for this. And also they had their friendship and I liked the, the separation of it. Yeah. I got along great with everybody and I, I think they're wonderful. And I can't wait to see them tonight. But I think that I was, you know, I was a disturbing character. It's not a pleasant person. It's not a pleasant no. person to be around, but you do know that he loves his son. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's 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 yeah. the thing. Everything is is for for that for that character. But um, you know, and I'll leave it on this because again, they're like you said before filming, they're all friends, so they're all coming to film this. But it just shows you what he's trying to do because like he has to find a very specific ethnicity for the daughter because obviously his wife originally that wore this son and he didn't want he doesn't want to mess that up he's got to do it how he means it how he meant to do it from the get-go so he's got to go search for certain people yeah and 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 the ambiguity and the not knowing of uh you know this wife and this daughter how how easily yeah we don't know which number they are replaced <laughs> or i don't know if it's so easily but something happens and they will be replaced if you fuck up you're gonna get replaced yep and I'm gonna replace you immediately. And I also like, we shot all this before the pandemic. And if you look at it, it is absolutely something that, you know, I would think is, was made because of the pandemic. Because yeah. what, is, what is it, why is everything happening? What is wrong with the air? What is going on that he, you can't go outside? What is, the, what is going on? And, and, and the fact that it was shot before the pandemic, really when the pandemic hit, I was like, Man, that's kind of weird. We shot that one beforehand. I wonder if it'll, I wonder if it will ever come out. That's what I thought. Yeah, I, I, then, I wondered that about several films in my life, but now they're all coming out. <laughs> perfect timing. But thank you so much. So I got to let you go. All right, man. Hey, man, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have fun tonight. All right, I will. Thank you too. All right. Thank you, Casper, so much for your time. And um, uh, I, I wasn't there for it, but Casper, sir, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you ever come back, I will try my hardest to not have a scheduling snafu or be attacked by baboons <laughs> to be there. Well, you know, it's 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 funny, and you know, as as everybody just heard as we spoke to him, you, again, he's done films before where he's not the hero or he's not the uh, maybe a nice guy, but here in Daughter, he's a very menacing person, and I've never seen him like that before. And I was actually worried. I was actually. Uh, not concerned, but I was I was wondering, you know, how he'd pull it off before I saw the movie, not knowing, but have feeling that that's what it would be. But yeah, it's very interesting to see him be this kind of uh, dark and disturbing. Well, yeah, I, I like when anybody gets the chance to sort of shed an image and and do something new like that, just like uh, just like you had said with Casper Van Dien, or you even look at a couple of years ago, Kevin James had that movie. What was it, Becky? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like both him and, and was Joe McHale too, right? It might have been. Like, I just remembered that Kevin James, it was like, wow, Kevin James is going dark and playing like a white supremacist. Yeah. And I like when people take those chances, whether it works or not. I like that someone has it in their mind to do that and to just break from tradition. Because again, you know, Casper Van Dien was remembered for something like Starship Troopers, or even, you know, we mentioned Sleepy Hollow in, in the run-up to this episode and trying to figure out what the film would be. Well, and again, in that one, he is a little bit of a cad. He's not, you know, he's not really... Uh... Well, yeah, but he's still, it's sort of a foppish cad versus yeah. what you're selling here, which is, like, cult leader, right? Yeah, it's all it's all about, it's all still all about his looks, technically, in the Sleepy Hollow thing. It's about, he's a pretty boy, in, in essence, where yeah. this is, uh, yeah, much more of a... Um, twisted patriarchal maniac someone you wouldn't want to run into in your root cellar ladies and gentlemen so lock those doors tight don't run into him anywhere i mean the way he acts nobody will ever run into him so it's okay but uh well i will let you see the movie before we, we say anything else beyond that 
But yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting. And, and as I mentioned when I we spoke to him, it's like in, in a lot of ways, I don't even feel Starship Troopers is necessarily a pure overdue rental. But since it has now been reevaluated by people who didn't understand it was a satire when it came out, um, it's getting a lot more play and discussion. So it's probably best to bring it up and talk about it. Oh boy. I remember, and I still remember it to this day, friends of mine went and saw, like friends of, I think it was friends of mine because the whole thing was, I was like in my teens at the time, I was hanging out at, uh, my mom was a manager at Kmart and I started working there as a teen, but I think it was also a little- wardrobe. Sorry. (laughs) But it was a little before that I was still pretty friendly with people. And, you know, they would ask me for my opinions on movies and I'd hear from them. And I remember some of them, seeing starship troopers and they're like wow that movie has like b-movie dialogue in it mm. and a lot i like even a lot of the contemporary reviews were like there's so much schmaltz and cheese especially with the whole thing between casper van Dien and uh i'm blanking on her name dina meyer's character yeah that's what's like yeah yeah like rico and john i think it was rico and johnny well johnny rico is his name oh don't but yeah between the between those two that their whole relationship was something that really like put people off. And it's like, I like even seeing the movie contemporarily, it's like, I get what this is doing and I like it. And it's like, it's even just very sneaky in some of the stuff it does. Like, uh, you know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and his wonderful stormtrooper trench coat. And yeah, right. uh, the fact that they're in Buenos Aires and, you know, Casper Van Dien, uh, well, to put it politely, he does not look like he's from Buenos Aires. Well, that was the, um, that was the thing from a long time. Kind of... But there was reasons for it that they came out with later that help explain really what was uh, how it makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, again, the 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 surplus trench coats might help explain that too. Well, that's the thing about the idea of it as a as a satire, because as you mentioned with Casper, you know, it existed a little bit in Total Recall, but very much in RoboCop. So talking about Paul Fairhoven's specific sci-fi stuff at the time you know but in robocop it was more of the commercial aspect of it outside of the main story where it still had a certain amount of storytelling satire to it but it was done more seriously where structure trooper is like the whole thing is a satire not just little pieces so it, i think it struck people as strange as to why people are acting certain ways exactly because you go back and look at Total Recall and RoboCop, and you see why they were huge hits back in the day. They had great action. Still, le- still big hits. Let's be real. Well, Those are two great movies. I mean, you saw why they became such yeah. legendary hits is because there was that sort of blurring of the line between very wry satire and commercialism and the Reagan era, and then you know these true stories of men who have lost their identities in some way or form and are trying to get them back while doing public good. Where Starship Troopers is just pitch black, tongue firmly planted in cheek satire on on fascism and on some of the things that even Robert Heinlein saw was coming around the bend and sadly did in some ways. More so now than ever in, in a lot of strangest ways. Yeah, uh, and that's another thing that really helped Starship Troopers become a, more of a culturally accepted hit is because it started becoming a biography, not a science fiction novel. But that's the thing, too. And, you know, again, as I mentioned during the interview, but talking about seeing the original trailer, and I, I do remember it a little differently than what it is now when I look it up. 
but it yeah. seemed it, it came off as trying to, the trailer was trying to sell a more serious movie and oh, so i definitely. think it's one of those cases where you know woman's gonna sue the uh and, and change the supreme court not supreme court but uh, change uh, rulings now on being able to sue companies for misleading you in trailers which is bullshit to me I'm sorry, I came here for the next Fast and Furious, not Drive. Lawsuit, lawsuit. Like, yeah, that's just ridiculous. And that is exactly the sort of thing that I hate seeing happen. But yeah, I remember that. I remember that teaser too, because I think it was the Jerry Maguire VHS that okay. it had. Yeah, well, my parents got Jerry Maguire and I was curious, so I there watched it. And... <laughs> it's you know it's a movie i i really don't remember how i felt about it then i don't know how i'd feel about it now but i'll tell you what did stick with me the men in black <laughs> teaser and the starship troopers teaser because okay, you have yeah. all those people like storming off of boats and it's like like glimpses of everything and it's like in the future a war will be waged or whatever yeah. but then right from the off you watch that first newsreel and you understand the world you're in and then Basil Polidorus's music, yet again, the late great Basil Polidorus, just knocking it out like he did with Robocop and having these wonderful, like, sweeping sort of militaristic fanfares. And, like, he dug into the joke as much as Paul Verhoeven did and, yeah. and Edward Neumeyer, the screenwriter, did. And just everybody seemed on board. Even the actors, like, you watch Michael Ironside, and that's a great hard ass performance. And while he's doing it, like, given that you, you know, he understood what was underneath all of that. Plus, it's, you know, going back to the trailer really quick, though, because that was the thing. I'm going to mention it again because I did mention it when, I was, when we were talking to Casper is, is that I do have a slightly different recollection of it compared to what I see is what they added on, what they, what they aired. Because I remember it as, yes, there's maybe all those, you know, those jackboots getting ready and pairing and then talking about the war. But then I remember it being very quiet. And you just saw like an open landscape and it was like dead. You saw them all getting ready, but nothing moved. And then like 20 seconds later, all the arachnids come rushing in. And I remember I had the time, I remember I was at my grandfather's house. So when I saw it, I remember it was in the kitchen. I remember turning to my brother and going, did you see that? Uh, and you know, so like that's kind of what I at least was expecting. And I don't know how many people were expecting very much the same. Yeah. I Look, it's it really is one of those things where you even taking Total Recall and Robocop as examples. Mm. They are pure genre fare, but there were still those hooks that like Joe Q public could get into. And it's like, yeah, I love Robocop. That's so awesome. Remember that Robocop shot that guy in the dick? And then it's like, yeah, but the movie also shot Reagan era politics and greed is good culture in the dick too. But that's that's not this episode. That is just a counter to Starship Troopers very much shooting a different type of culture in the dick only in a more subtle way that didn't have as many fun hooks as like Total Recall or Robocop. Paul Verhoeven shooting things in the dick all the time. But, but that again, that is the other thing where, you know, when people first see Starship Troopers and maybe not, um, and I'm not trying to just talk about Verhoeven sci-fi only, but since these are all sci-fi films trying to, in, in a lot of ways, you know, connect them because where, RoboCop specifically, I'll, I'll skip over Total Recall. RoboCop specifically did so many great things very subtly. Whereas, and I, you know, what's annoying about RoboCop is, is that the the advertisements for it, you know, showed you RoboCop from the get go. The poster was RoboCop, so everybody knew what he looked like. 
But imagine showing this to somebody who never knew, didn't know what he looked like, heard the title of RoboCop, and can guess maybe what's going to happen. And that entire scene when they first show you them working on him, him getting up and walking out, and you don't, you still don't see him. You see through his, it's his POV, so you see the computer screen, but there's a TV kind of filming him in the background. You just see him very briefly pass by the image. And so like at this time, you still don't know what he looks like. It's brilliant. It's, that's brilliant filmmaking. It's ruined by the fact that the advertisements threw it all at you and all the other stuff. And again, so then you come into Starship Troopers where it's like everything's right in your face. Well, uh, just as we had mentioned earlier, and just as I'm seeing on the Starship Troopers Wikipedia, Verhoeven definitely chalked audiences misconceptions. It says here, Verhoeven believed audience misconceptions about the film were a result of poor marketing that presented it as an action film rather than a satire. Yeah. I think you would have still gotten people interested if you, maybe you even just show one of those newsreels or create one of those newsreels for the trailer. And then you just, I mean, this was the early days of the internet, but you still could have had something like a FedNet website where it's like, do you want to learn more? Go to FedNet.com to learn. Yeah, there's too early for that. Too early for it. Oh man. Yeah, like only just, well, not a couple years, but almost a decade later, you would have got, if you sold this movie like District 9, you probably mm. would have gotten a, you probably would have gotten more hooks into people. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. But again, but yes, this was still very much like blockbuster, 90s blockbuster fever. Like you're yeah. you're like a couple months away from Armageddon coming out. This was still very much teaser poster, big trailer, big single, like your blockbuster needed to have that. But then again, you know, even if the if the marketing missold it to people, I think there are still people who hang on to the fact that, again, going back to thinking about the Verhoeven sci-fi world and knowing, again, of, it seems stupid to say it so many times, but Total Recall and RoboCop, almost that's what you're expecting in your own mind, marketing or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. that's, that's, an, that's absolutely fair. But just even going back and I, I finally, a couple of years, well, a while ago, like, I saw Showgirls as an adult. And I remember as a kid reading up in the magazines about how this is a huge bomb. This is so salacious and blah, 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 blah. That's another Verhoeven movie that got overlooked in its soap opera mm. slash cheese content. I'm I'm sorry. I, I believe yeah, that. Yeah, but it, the, the Joe Esther House factor, you know, like, because oh. everything he ever did was just salacious and 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 just but i think well yeah i will i will grant you that esther haas may have had something more serious in mind but then verhoven gets his hands on it and it's like okay there's a line here i see this line i'm going to dance on this line and i'm going to have fun doing it but whether or not you because again you could disagree on 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 what starship troopers let's say was trying to do with, with its performances let's say but in that sense, where it's the idea of like you're supposed to be a little bit um, ridiculous in a sense, I just think the acting in in um, Showgirls, excuse me, it was just was just poor. That's I mean, I think it was just like they didn't do a good job with their performances. Not everybody, but you know, I think that's you know. Well, I guess we're not doing a Showgirls episode. Then I can we can look. Relax. We you know the fact we don't even have to like. Oh, we both don't, don't have to like the movies we talk about. It's just the idea that. At one point, it was just, you know, I know. Showgirls was the talking point of the world at one point. So, yeah, we could totally do an episode on it, even if we both, if we both hated it. Oh, I know. I'm just 
Oh, well, I, I totally agree on that too. I'm just busting your chops, but that would <laughs> definitely be fun just because of the cultural archaeology of it all. And then also the really big cult that's sort of built around it now. Like yeah. that's become a huge like favorite of the gay community. Like they look like the LGBTQ community loves just watching that unabashedly. And there's like a whole documentary on it. Well, Esther House is dead, so we can't talk to him. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I must have forgotten. I, I'm pretty sure he passed away. I'm almost positive. Uh, thank you for, yeah, I was about to type typing up. And you, I see you doing it, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he is still alive. He's still alive. I was wrong, everybody. I apologize. Uh, I apologize to you, Joe. Uh, well, this is why we fact-checked while we, while we talk, and we yeah. would have fact-checked afterwards, too, but yeah. I do think it's insane, though, about going back to Starship Troopers, though, is, again, you know, like, I know casper and it didn't at the time denise richards that was like really making her as well but you know it's the first time i think a lot of us saw the jake Busey of the Busey family uh i was just like right. neil patrick harris you know he was a doogie Howser, so everybody knew him but like and clancy brown was doing stuff for a long time think about highlander and all the stuff he'd done before that but now he's a different he's a and technically you know shoshank redemption was made way before this so like people kind of you know knew clancy brown from something one way or the other but now he's a whole other person seth gilliam whole you know everywhere then again gotta love michael ironside but as as uh caster pointed out he's also got room room mcclanahan i can't i can never say mcclanahan room mcclanahan surprise but my my other one i forget about is the fact and and again more so because he was in total recall because dean norris was in total recall you never knew it because he was one of the mutants with the messed up faces that helps uh hauser escape from the bar showing your face around here yeah and he, he appears in starship troopers as well that's the, that's just Verhoeven, man. You you work of, with him. You kind of he kind of gets the cut of your jib. You get the cut of his jib, and you get to come back. Busey was in Frighteners a year before. Sorry, say that again. Jake Busey was in the Frighteners a year before. Oh no, no, I know. I'm I'm just saying that you know, not unfortunately, not everybody saw the Frighteners when it came out. I think more people saw Slash oh, of Troopers oh, than they saw the Frighteners. Matthew, are you saying that the Frighteners is an overdue rental? Actually, I don't know if it is, but it could be. That's another one of those border cases that I would, I, I admit that is another one of those border cases where it's yeah. like over time, it definitely has built itself up to more than it was back in the day. Well, I think it's, I think, yeah, I think less people are even talking about it now than they used to. Maybe. But then again, e- even if you go into Peter Jackson's filmography, you'd have other things like Meet the Feebles or Bad Taste that are like more out there. But yeah, I mean, anyway, that's not Starship Troopers. Yeah, Meet the Feebles is a... Is a that's a Oh, thing. yeah. Shooting at puppets with live ammunition. <laughs> Half the dialogue in that goddamn movie is just... Uh, oh, yeah. Not airable. <laughs> but not here on Nobody <laughs> Rentals because we don't give a fuck. Yes, but with that, I think it's time everybody goes. Watch his daughter if they haven't seen it yet. Watch the Starship Troopers if they need to rewatch. I haven't seen it yet. Cross it off their overdue rentals list. Come back to us. Let us know what you thought. But if people do need to come back to us. Let us know what they thought. How can they find us? Well, Matthew, that's a very good question. Because, I mean, as far as I see it, we here at Overdue Rentals live by a very simple creed. Everybody fights. Nobody quits. Ooh. Only, we don't really have to fight. The only fight we really have is to spread the word of films that we believe more people should be talking about and seeing on their beautiful video screens. So, 
to keep track of our lovely show, which we do think it's lovely. We're very proud of it. It's beautiful. We're at like 70 episodes at this point, or we're getting close to 70. I think we're at Oh, 70. we're over. We're, we're over. We're over 70. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just we can't keep track of all of this, but you can by following us at TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rental Show, at Twitter through rentals over, at Rentals Overdue, through Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you want to email us love letters, suggestions for future episodes, and very important clandatu intelligence, you may send us the, I hope I got the planet name right, because it's been, I, I think it's clandatu. <laughs> you know what? I, I can't even remember. I'll try and look it up in the meantime. Yeah, I'm going to look very closely because I don't want to get nailed on that. How did you not know? Clandatu, yeah! <laughs> oh, man. I am a fan of this movie. I swear. No, I've, I, I, I uh, one, one small detour before we get, we get going. I'm sad we didn't get to, uh, to ask about the whole Paul Verhoeven and his cameraman getting naked in the shower. Well, forget about that too. You know, we also didn't mention. I mean, I know people listened to what Casper said already, but you know, everybody can get excited for Ed, Paul, and Casper joining together for a new film soon. I'm excited for that, and I, I am. So I'm excited for that, but I'm also excited for people to continue to peruse our back catalog because stuff like this comes up all the time. Remember when Tim Blake Nelson was on our show and he told us he wasn't sure if he was going to be the leader again? Well, guess what, folks? He is going to be the leader again. We found that out a while ago, but we asked before that kind of came out, so that was pretty cool. We're not saying we did that. We're just saying it was really cool that we got to talk to Tim Blake Nelson for old Henry. Because that yeah. was a lot of fun to talk about. And Irreversible, one of the many episodes you can search out wherever you ethically source your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible. We, we have Audible. Like anywhere you go for your podcast needs, we will be there, ready to take the fight to boredom. And since we're doing that, and since we really do want to keep this show running, but also want to know what you, the viewer, want, you the listener want although you're viewing with your ears you can rate review and subscribe to our show so the rental counter can stay open stay open and we can stock films like starship troopers on the shelves but ladies and gentlemen friends family and listeners i think it's time for us to take a bit of a, a bit of an r&r right now and say to you all love, love.